0: A landmark investigation into alleged bad behaviour by our major consulting firms has wrapped up its final hearing in Canberra. The Senate inquiry was established following alarming revelations about the improper use of confidential government information on a planned tax crackdown by partners at PwC. The probe has focused on the conduct of some of the highest profile accounting and consulting firms. Known collectively accountants anyway, as the big four, which also include Deloitte, EY and KPMG. Edmund Tadros is professional services editor with the Financial Review. He broke the PwC tax scandal with his colleague Neil Chenoweth and has been following this inquiry closely. And I'm also joined this morning by Brendan Lyon, former KPMG partner turned whistleblower. Edmund Brendan, thanks very much for coming in. Great to be with you, friend. Thanks Terrific very much. to have you in the studio. Lots to unpick. A question for both of you. Given what we've learned from this inquiry, how rotten is the world of the major accounting firms in Australia, Ed?
1: Look, they're, they're not inherently good or bad. I just think what it's uncovered is um, <clears throat> there's a really big problem with oversight of the big four. They're in this grey zone where they're neither true partnerships which is state-based regulation, nor are they corporations, which ASIC is in charge of. Uh, they can't. They struggle to govern themselves. They've got 700 bosses, essentially. So you imagine the partners. The partners. So the partners are owner, owner managers. So that that's proven to be. Um, and in PwC's example, um, there was a report done that essentially said that the CEO had all power and there was no oversight. So that's a that's a real problem. Um, And on the government side, um, you had this sort of 10-year thing of pushing stuff out to the private sector. Um, So as much as uh, the consultants were doing what the government or bureaucrats were asking and, and, you know, no one was going, should they be doing that? Yeah,
0: okay, we'll come dive deeper into some of that. But Brendan, from what we've seen, what we've learned, and you've been on the inside of this, how rotten is the world of the Big Four?
2: Look, I... I Disagree to some extent with what Mr. Tadros is saying. I think we can call him Edmund. (laughs) Edmund. Uh, So, I mean, I testified to the Senate back in July and I said at that point that I thought the problem was precisely, as Edmund says, that there are gaps in the law. Uh, But really, that's allowed these mega partnerships to turn into, as I described, unregulated Protected pseudo corporations. And I don't agree with Edmund that the partners are owner managers in the way that you'd expect because they're so remote from the management decisions that get made. There's a small cabal of senior partners who take home most of the money. And then there is sort of an army of alleged partners, but really act as senior managers and maybe in a corporation sense would be sort of part of an employee share scheme. They're definitely not part of management of the firm.
0: And they're obviously not there with bad intent. I mean, that's not what they go in. No, But something is awry, and we're going to talk about regulation a bit later, but...
2: They call it cognitive dissonance theory in terms of what goes wrong in organisations, but good people join an organisation. Yes, very good
0: people join these firms. And then they
2: see a normalisation, and it's almost like the Newspeak and Double Think of 1984, where integrity, ethics, they're words that are used in training modules and used in parliamentary inquiries to defend yourself. They're definitely not used in the routine uh, practice of business. And over time, that causes distress to people. So they eventually adjust their own ethics and their own outlook. And it's, you know, it's a very well-established theory that large organisations that go rotten from the top will infect those who sit further down the tree.
0: Edmund, we've learned a lot of new terms through the life of this inquiry, internal tactics like power maps and land and expand. What's the... What's the single most disturbing thing you've learned in the, from the evidence given?
1: Look, I think the inquiry essentially became a proxy inquiry into the PwC leaks matter. So that that to me was the most disturbing thing. And um, a couple of months into it, the Senate committee actually put out an interim report, which was quite unusual, which found um, that PwC had engaged in this sort of years-long years cover-up of the actions of a former partner. And and what he had done was he's part of a treasury um, consultation to create new international tax laws. He uses that confidential... He shares that confidential information with people from his um, firm and then they use it to develop schemes to sidestep the laws that he's helping design. Um, And the minute um, the treasurer of the time announces the laws, they're out there spruiking it to US things. So that, to me, is by far the most disturbing thing that's been uncovered.
0: A major breach of trust given what's gone on and the the spotlight that's on these companies, could that still happen today?
1: Look, absolutely,
2: because at this point in time, nothing has changed. And I mean, I made the point in the New South Wales parliamentary inquiry that you can't say that the circus is different if the clowns are the same. And that's really the challenge that we've got, is that no people have changed, no structures have changed. And to this point, no law has changed. That's really where the Senate inquiry is such an important opportunity. And its report is so important to fix these glaring gaps. Okay,
0: we get to get the report. But I mean, you watched a lot of the inquiry, Senators were very well informed, very well researched, very um, intense in some of their questioning, and things got pretty testy sometimes. But did the senators get the answers to the questions they were probing?
1: Yes and no. Um, I think what happened when when they first began, these firms are used to dispensing advice. They're not used to being questioned. And they essentially operate in a self-regulatory environment. So, what we've seen essentially is um, at the start of it, they would resist even quite basic sort of requests for information. Mm -hmm. Now, sort of months and months later, um, in some respects, PwC, with one big glaring exception, is the most cooperative. They get asked something, they answer it straight away. Um, So... To an extent, yes, they've got information, but also there's a few critical things where they've just been unable to. Um, you're relying on the on the goodwill of the firms to find out. Um, in PwC's case, what, what's the role of international partners?
0: And they're still not handing that still over. Still not are they? handing what's it over. What's called? The Dirty Six, isn't it?
1: Uh, yeah, that's um, that's Senator Richard Colbeck's wording. Um, but um, yeah, that they, they um, and that's a critical thing. And you sort of, um, in some ways, it's sort of a terrible sequel to last year where they wouldn't hand over information or they resisted mm-hmm. handing over information to the initial breach. So you're kind of like have you learnt anything essentially?
0: Brendan these firms do a lot of work with government we've all learnt that the big four reportedly wrote at least 10 billion dollars of government contracts over the past decade one of them four billion dollars with defence alone since this story broke the Albanese government has taken steps to curb that use of external consultants quite dramatically how much more of the work is now being done in-house and do you think things have changed forever?
2: Look, I think there is going to be a structural change. I think at the moment you're a brave public servant who wants to publish a large untended contract onto OzTender because there is so much focus and that's probably wrecked the game. Uh, for the time being. I mean, I think the thing that is different this time is that it's become an issue around the dinner table, not just the cabinet table or the boardroom mm. table for these firms. And I mean, if you have a look on Twitter or X in the last couple of days, there's been a campaign uh, around one particular CEO, this sort of hashtag JL Yatesy campaign that's going on. It just shows that the regulatory failure, and chartered accountants were in the inquiry yesterday. They were very keen to talk about their process ethics, all of the rest. When they were asked about what consequence, what investigations and what consequence had occurred for the material uh, misconduct that's been revealed by the Senate inquiry, there were crickets and tumbleweeds. So the fact that it's become an issue in public, uh, that really shows that the regulation is so absent as to have got citizens sitting at home excited about how accountants are regulated, that means something's gone wrong.
0: Yeah, I think you're right there. We're we're talking to Edmund Tadros from the AFR and Brendan Lyon, who's Whistleblower, former KPMG employee. Partner? I was a partner, yes. Um, Ed, you wrote today, and I was struck by this, that uh, in in the hearing yesterday, the Business Council of Australia were putting forward quite radical um, ideas to rein in the consultants who are members of the Business Council of Australia. That signifies... Real change, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Look, I, I think what's happened is you had the the Albanese government came in with the policy to cut back the use of consultants, um, and the PwC leaks thing sort of helped them push through that regulation. And they, they've made quite radical changes. First of all, the political attention, um, as um, as Brendan said, um, you, you'd be a brave public servant to to hire the big you know the big firms, and also they've brought in all these rules. Like one which I thought was kind of they've brought it in and it seemed quite obvious, but it's a rule now. You can't get consultants to do core public sector work. Whatever that is. Whatever that is, right? And that's a bit amorphous. So, um, and they've also. But, but I do yeah. think this was an interesting yeah. idea yeah. from the
0: BCA yesterday that the Commonwealth should provide specialised procurement training to bureaucrats yes. and yes. consistently define, report on, and manage conflicts firms have. So they're suggesting better training so the public servants are really not at the mercy of the very smart consultants yes. that are coming it, in.
1: What you had at the height of it, just before all of this broke, was. Um, like the con- firms were doing things and you would look at the tenders, you know, given the limited information that's available. And some of it seemed quite ridiculous. Help us do a presentation, help us do work that really should be public servant work, which is done within the rules of the mm. public service. And you're getting external parties. sort of.
2: $600,000 was spent on one of the firms to advise on the procurement of sandwiches for the COVID Right. workforce, but not yeah. actual sandwiches. So that's sort of a good example. Or, yeah, or you can buy
0: a lot of sandwiches for 600,000.
1: The one I always think of is um, consultants being hired to manage other consultants
0: being used by the government. I mean, which is kind of a Mark Humphrey sketch, right? Yeah, sure. Look, we're going to run out of time and there's much to get through. So let's whip through this one because there is a major conflict at the heart of the business model of these accounting firms. They're not just consulting to companies and government. They're also auditors, often auditing the very same clients they're providing consultation services to. 97% of the audit work of the biggest 300 listed companies are done by the big four accounting firms. Can we have any faith in the integrity of those audits? Look, I
2: think this is a serious problem, and it's something that I did raise in both my submission and testimony to the Senate. If if you have a collapse in morals and ethics in one part of a business and it comes from the leadership down, then it's very likely that you're seeing similar sorts of behaviours in other parts of your business. And you're quite right. The auditors have a, they're a formal societal institution. Their job is to enforce the boundaries of proper financial reporting. What we've actually seen is a series of audits where it's where uh, shareholders have lost up to a quarter of a billion dollars just last week. Uh, And that's been through conflicts of interest between different types of advice and audit. And we've also seen the same on the public sector side, where the public service and the consultants have been dragging each other down and masking the decay of each in terms of what they're expected to do and what they produce.
0: Okay. And and Edmund, in 2022, ASIC Audit to the major firms. I think it used to do it every year. It found efficiencies it, to. Oh, this his, is on
1: audit quality. On audit quality, yes, yes. it
0: found efficiencies in. Yes, yeah, sorry, audit, audit quality. A bigger pardon. It found efficiencies in one third of the audits of the biggest firms. I mean, that's a shocking figure, yeah. given that they audit 97% of the the top 300 companies. Does ASIC still do? Those no annual um uh,
1: bewilderingly ASIC had a had a regime where they'd name the firms and the most effective way to regulate these firms is to say this is how they perform on this thing even though it was quite limited what they looked at and then suddenly And didn't it, you
0: used to get a lot of prep- press. I think well, it no, would now, these days, it probably.
1: Did. yeah, yeah. So that was out of an earlier inquiry, essentially. You know, name the firm and say their audit quality. Mm. And it led to change. One of the firms went from, they all went from about a quarter. One of them dramatically improved their audit quality in this. And then suddenly ASIC sort of stopped doing it. And we don't know why. And it just it's took away this real incentive to um, improve.
2: It's a little bit like Donald Trump. It's really Trumpian in terms of if you don't test, then the virus rates will go down.
0: Look, you mentioned this before, Brendan, at the very start, as one of the key concerns. And the Tax Commissioner Chris Jordan has told the inquiry this week that partnerships should be brought under corporate laws to ensure executives have the same legal obligations as company bosses under the Corporations Act, which means they'd be tr- treated as large unlisted companies. How big a difference? Would that
2: make so that is a radical difference I have absolutely no legal protection whatsoever other than that of the Senate and the New South Wales Legislative Council as a whistleblower because they don't exist in corporations law because these mega businesses have avoided all of the separations obligations structures reporting requirements that we put in to protect employees to protect the ethics of uh, of partners and then we've given uh, we've given them this unusual legal protection the professional standards Scheme that caps their liability. So, again, they're able to operate as a protected, wholly unregulated pseudo-corporation with very strong legal protections for no particular reason.
0: And to put that in context so we can all understand, Edmund, that means that these partners who are running these companies uh, are not, don't have the same risk responsibilities as board members, do they?
1: Yeah, look, three senior officers from ASIC told uh, separating, uh, Senate Estimates they um asic essentially only covers a sliver of their activity so a few specialized occupations so auditors um, and a few others, Tax Practitioners Board looks after tax agents, but all of these consultants and anyone out of That's that, the
2: registration of the individual, it's not the organisation. Yeah, and it's, and, the yeah,
1: and it's uh, they, they, they're just in a regulatory grey zone, basically, and they said that was here and around the world too. So A supermassive
2: black hole. Yes.
1: Um, grey zone,
0: black hole, yes. <laughs> so many terms. Well, we await the Senators' inquiry, uh, report and see what comes out of that. Edmund Tadros and Brendan Lyon, thank you so much for joining me in the Stadex. Fabulous studio. to be with you. Thanks very much. Brendan Lyon is Professor of Practice these days at Faculty of Business and Law at Wollongong University, a former KPMG partner. And Edmund Tadros is Professional Services Editor at Financial Review. He and his colleague, Neil Chenoweth, broke the story on PwC. It's 22 past eight.
2: Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.